Tapes. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, this is Jeff Joyner. You might know me as Coaster Dad or Logan's Dad from Coaster Kids. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Michael Corelli from Jurassic Yearbook. And I'm Mr. DNA. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. I accept the Coaster Challenge. 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 Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? What is the Coaster Challenge? A group of regular people that went from fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses. It's time to take the Coaster Challenge with your hosts, David Cantu and J.D. Prescott. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is a special episode, and I'm David Cantu, and I've got special guest co-host with me today. I got Jenna. How you doing, Jenna? Good. How are you, Dave? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, J.D.'s got the day off because of the Memorial Day holiday weekend. He was out of town, so but uh, Jenna is filling in. So how, how was your Memorial Day weekend? Uh, we went motocross racing. Uh, my boyfriend, Mike, he will be on other episodes. He came in second place. Nice. Very so. nice. He's, I know Mike does a lot of motocrossing. He's been doing it for many years, right? Yeah. Uh, we were just up in Reno, actually, this uh, past weekend, and it was crazy. Really hot. <laughs> and Yeah, the temperature is really, really getting getting up there i think uh but it still gets really cold at night yeah i mean that was the only don't fault with uh camping at the motocross site and it was really windy like we lost all of our camping stuff due to the wind oh. so we ended up staying in a hotel for a night and then came back uh sunday or like basically monday morning at 1 a.m so wow but any but so but anyway for mike if he's listening yeah congratulations on hitting second place on the motocross that's really awesome but anyway guys we've got like i said earlier we've got this is a special episode we have a special vip in the house today we've got a gentleman named michael corelli and for those who are huge fans of universal islands of adventure you most likely have seen mike in the park and he is a cosplayer if you see mike in the park he is a he looks exactly like owen from jurassic world it is his just identical to chris pratt and uh, he's got a friend who also plays claire and the two of them together they look exactly like the actors from jurassic world people just rave about it they love getting photos with them and they just he's just got a very incredible story and we've got him on the podcast today with andrew i love when we have people like that because you kind of like you want you run up to them thinking they're the actual actor and come to find out it's not but they look exactly like that person oh yeah i i think uh he he's done an excellent job and he's a huge jurassic park fan i mean he's got tons of memorabilia from the jurassic park franchise and it's really great to have mike on the show today but first let's do our segment jenna what's gonna do our youtube YouTube highlight highlight clip clip of the the week. week youtube clip of the week All right, so in this week's YouTube Highlight Clip of the Week, we found a very interesting, I would say it's a pretty funny, funny episode. 
I'm pretty sure a lot of you out there, I'm pretty sure you too, Jenna, the fact that you and I are both Disney fanatics, uh, we know very well about the teacups, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember all the time, over the years when I've gone to Disney, my friends and I would always have this personal challenge of how fast we can spin these teacups. I know my one friend had us spinning so fast, he actually got it on video one time. We were the fastest spinning teacup out of the whole thing. It's always fun, especially if you have little kids. You try getting them as dizzy as possible. I can't believe this clip, though. Yeah. This um, is amazing. I will say when I've gotten off many times on the teacups, I was extremely dizzy and, like, could not stand up straight. But this particular YouTube clip was very interesting. It's something I've never seen before, but it's it's scary, but it's kind of hilarious. So the, it, the YouTube clip is actually called a roller coaster accident, Crazy Duck. But it's not really a roller coaster. I guess the person who put out this video didn't realize that this is actually a flat ride. Uh, this is actually called the Crazy Duck. So instead of the tea, them looking like teacups, they actually look like little ducks. Rubber ducks. Yeah, little rubber ducks. So It's the same concept. They're on this platform, and the goal is to spin these ducks, how fast you can get it. Well... Uh, so these two guys thought, oh, okay, well, let's uh, see how fast we can spin these ducks, right? And all of a sudden, you can see in the video that they are spinning. Meanwhile, meanwhile their friend is on the side videoing it. Yeah. And and kind of laughing. We also got to mention that this isn't in the U.S. We think no. this is somewhere in Europe at a carnival of some sort. Yeah, this, yeah, like a carnival in Europe. This is not at a, at a theme park or anything like that. So they're spinning this duck. And they're spinning really fast. And all of a sudden, I guess they really took it to the limit on that one duck car. But it literally spun off the platform and landed on the ground. <laughs> it, I don't I don't even know how they managed to do that. I was like, but... what the heck happened there? They were spinning this duck so fast that it literally got off its axis. It decided to fly away. Yeah, Bye. it just fly away. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I was like, wow, I've never seen uh, an attraction like that where it literally spun off the platform. Well, then, uh, you know, this also brings into like whole safety issue. You know, a lot of people say they won't go on any of the carnival rides because they don't trust rides that go up in a day and come down in a day and yeah i mean this really does kind of show you like great example it doesn't matter if it's you know a carnival ride or not like if you can manage to get something to go that fast and it flies off of a you know platform kind of makes you wonder what their safety standards are for even in europe i mean we have really high safety standards yeah the u.s has a lot of high even for carnivals and stuff i mean because there have been a lot of carnival incidents over the past years uh but they've always uh have done a good job they do with the safety checks and test runs and right. all that stuff so yeah i mean it, it's it's like you said it, it all depends on what country you know how their safety standards are but i will have to say yes as concerning that was but just seeing it on the youtube video it's that hilarious. was that I'm was sorry, hilarious. But that is hilarious yes that was the most funny thing and i could have and i really needed a good laugh this week right <laughs> you know it's been such a crazy memorial day but after seeing that clip i was like wow so yeah if you guys want to check out that clip you might just type in roller coaster accident crazy duck uh it's actually a 30 second uh video but uh it's it was hilarious but, i'm amazed the guys that were spinning it were able to get stand up and get out without falling over yeah and i'm glad there was not a lot of people nearby 
Yeah, it didn't look like anybody got hurt, which is a good thing. I mean, that's always a concern. I think the one lesson also I think people should learn about when you go to carnivals like this one is that when you go on rides like that, you kind of want to not be too close. Actually, that was the one thing I also noticed in that video, how close the people... There's no the rails. Pe- yeah, the people were very close to that. But then that, that ride wasn't spinning that fast, the platform. It was well, not I mean, rotating it, I fast. I think it was supposed to be more of like a kiddie ride. Because like, you know, you go to like carnivals anywhere and they always have like the kiddie rides and it's like, okay, you know, they're supposed to go... They don't expect people to be spinning out of control and flying off of a platform. platform they expect you you know they expect them to be you know kind of a mild a mild ride and like we have them here in the u.s most everybody that's in the u.s know of like the church uh tilto whirl or the strawberry ones where it spins you and a lot of times you just like that you spin around but you don't go that fast yeah. Well, that was one thing. But one thing we did highlight that there were no rail guards. Yeah. No safety. To keep people, but I mean, people, people were very close to that platform, which is uh, kind of scary because the U.S. you have to have guardrails around oh, yeah. any ride. So yeah, I mean, I think the one one blessing on that that situation was there was really not that many people around when that duck flew off the platform. Yeah. I mean, even going when we when the family we went to vegas and we went to the venture dome they even with those rides i mean it was guarded off and you couldn't be that close to the to the ride you had to stand on the outside as the kids are riding the rides on the inside or whoever's riding on the inside yeah exactly. so i mean it's very concerning that you know wherever in europe it was that they had like no safety precautions whatsoever yeah um, I guess it all depends. I don't know what country in Europe, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, something that I think for our listeners to be advised that if you go to a carnival, I would say if there are no guardrails around a ride, I would still keep your distance. Oh, it's yeah. always for your own personal safety. Just keep your distance. But if you guys want to check out that video, I just said it earlier, but it is called the Roller Coaster Accident Crazy Duck. And uh, just check it out if you want a good laugh. But yeah, but I would say this was a really good YouTube highlight right. clip, clip of the, of the week. week. YouTube clip of the week. All right, so Andrew is standing by with our very special guest today. We've got Michael Corelli, and uh, he does an incredible cosplay of Owen from Jurassic World, and he's got an incredible story today, Jenna. So I'm um, really looking forward to hearing this. So I, I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Yeah, so but anyway, Andrew is standing by, so take it away, Andrew. Thank you, David and Jenna. This is Andrew, one of the producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast here with you today. We've got a special interview today. So in 1990, a legendary science fiction author released a book that would change science fiction forever. Three years later, that book was brought to the big screen by Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment, along with Universal Pictures. Its use of digital effects, something that was a rarity in that time, wowed billions of filmgoers around the world and changed film production forever. 28 years and five blockbuster feature films later, this film franchise is one of the top 10 grossing film franchises in the world. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Welcome to Jurassic World. Today, we are talking to a Jurassic Park, Jurassic World super fan. Welcome to the podcast, Michael Corelli. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's an honor. Awesome, awesome. Looking forward to chatting with you today. So uh, to start with, I've already kind of laid out things in one aspect of yourself, but uh, 
Lucas, if you wanted to briefly tell our audience about yourself and who you are. All right. So if you follow the Universal Orlando Annual Pass Holder page, I am that crazy cosplayer. No, I don't think I'm Chris Pratt. I just run around for fun and sweat to death in the Florida heat in a leather vest. So I basically cosplay Owen Grady, and then I've been dabbling in the Bourne stuntacular Jason Bourne cosplay as well. Oh, interesting. Are you basically cosplaying as Jason Bourne in that way there? Uh, Sometimes, yeah, but uh, okay. mostly I'm Owen Grady. Right, and that's what I've seen, you know, because I'm a member of that group, and I also follow your, your social pages, and, and at the end, at the end of our interview, you'll be able to share with our audience how people can find you. But, you know, I've certainly seen some of your cosplay and at least it looks pretty convincing. I mean, have you had anyone that, that you fooled that, you know, that thought you were Chris Pratt, you know, as Owen Grady? <laughs> um, actually, I get it quite a lot, especially comes into play when I get the beard just right. Chris Pratt has this weird beard thing going on where his mustache, he's got like that clear space up top and then he's got these weird right. sideburns and then the rest of his beard is super light. And when I get that going and then I'm with Claire, people will think we're actually the walk around characters. I actually... The other day, I tried to recreate the Ian Malcolm laying down pose in front of Velocicoaster. People are like, oh, Chris Pratt. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's either that or they just forget what the character's name is. But it's you definitely hear that a lot. And now, especially when you can have your masks off when you're walking outside. Yes, you definitely get a lot more of that. Yes, that's a good point. And think about that. I'm, I'm loving that. I've been universal the past couple of weeks and been enjoying that my past couple of visits. And thankfully we're thankfully we're coming back to normalcy. And that's something we've yeah. been talking a little bit about on the podcast here. And we're all looking forward to that. That's that's fun. That's awesome. You know, obviously, you're a huge Jurassic Park, Jurassic World fan, which you know, Boku respect for that. I'm a huge movie fan in general. I love science fiction. Jurassic Park, Jurassic World is one of my favorite franchises of all time. I remember going to see Jurassic Park in theaters with some friends in high school and we were just like blown away that, you know, of course, that scene when you see, what is it, the Brachiosaurus? Yeah, the Brachiosaurus. And Brachiosaurus, yeah. And like, just, you know, of course, they set up that shot because they knew it was going to be a wower. And just all, all of those movies, every all five of them, as far as I'm concerned, are spectacular movies. There's not a, well, it's a sequel. It's not so great. I mean, Lost World, I thought was great and how they flipped to San Diego in the middle of it which was shocking and kind of did the same thing with Fallen Kingdom, kind of mirroring that in Jurassic World um, movies. I'm really looking forward to Dominion and how it's going to really open up Jurassic World to really be Jurassic World with these dinosaurs on the loose. It's going to be awesome. So It, it feels but, so um, Crichton-esque and yeah. how they're yes. doing it. It's it's Malcolm's point of, we, we, we got to stop. You're you're going to get to this point. And then it's just the whole, I told you so to the max, that box can't yep. be closed. You're not in an Island anymore. It's everywhere. Everyone's going to deal with it now. So that's going to be interesting. Yep. And that's one of the things I love about fallen kingdom is that kind of epilogue that they, uh, almost that montage they did at the end showing the dinosaurs all over the world. I'm like, Oh my God, the next movie is going to be <laughs> epic. So, you know, Trevor has been doing a great job with those, with that trilogy. So now my understanding is besides being a fan of Jurassic Park, Jurassic world in general you're you're a pretty big theme park fan as well right? i am okay are you from florida by the way i am i've never moved out i was born in altamont springs and that's relatively close to i-4 so you just hop onto right. that exit and it's usually a 30 minute drive to universal without any traffic 45 minutes to disney i have three little sisters so we would usually only do disney and right with them being little sisters it was 
princesses all the time. <laughs> so it would either be Magic Kingdom or Hollywood Studios. And then the off chance we would go to Animal Kingdom and Animal Kingdom actually does have a dinosaur themed ride called Dinosaur, which yep. blew my mind. I think that really did spark the dinosaur thing. And then it wasn't until I was about 10 years old that I actually saw Jurassic Park. And I thought that was pretty cool. Honestly, if I wasn't an arts person, this isn't a knock on it. I think I would go into paleontology. I just, I don't have the brain for science. I respect the people that do. I just <laughs> have ADHD, so I can't focus as it is. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I, I'm a science guy. I'm an engineer. That's my, uh, I'm an optical engineer. That's how I was, you know, what went to school for and I uh, got my degree in and what I, how I work and what the work I do. And, and I'm kind of the same way. It's kind of like uh, kind of complement each other in this way. I have huge respect for the arts people. I've got friends that work in Universal Creative or Imagineers or just artists in general. And I've seen some of your paintings that you've done and you know you're very, I, mean, I I don't do that but I love and I respect it and I buy it Thank and I put it on my walls and yeah that's awesome yeah for sure for sure and you and I were just talking offline before we started recording today about these uh these new velocicoaster signs that someone on Etsy is putting out with these wooden signs where she's carving them out making them 3D exactly like this, the big sign that's up in the Jurassic Park area before you head down to the landing where the where the queue starts and all that by the bridge. And I'm like, I had to buy that sign. And I'm so it's yeah. a big sign too. It's it's not tiny either. I'm so looking forward to coming in coming in and putting in my house. So. But yeah, so a lot of respect for the arts, big time, big time. Um, yeah, Velocicoaster so, definitely uh, opened up a lot of creative people. One of myself included, I just... I never really focused on art like these last few years. I was very involved with the arts in high school, but it just, it kind of sucked me back into it. A lot of other people did too. There was uh, somebody made keychains, uh, t-shirts. It's just, it's definitely inspired a lot of people. I feel like this project more than any other attraction in the longest time of theme parks has really brought people together. It's nice to see yeah. people excited about something again. For sure. For sure. And I'm sure we're going to talk a lot more about Velocicoaster later and our experiences on it, especially your experience on it. But yeah, I, I think what it comes down to is besides it being an incredible coaster and the mechanics of it and all that, the theming of it and how much people have been looking forward to it. And I think it's also the timing of it too, the fact that it, it's opening up here as the pandemic sunsets. You know, here we are finally be able to walk around without masks for the first time in over a year. And I think it's just the timing of it. I mean, I think, and I think partly Universal Planet that way, they, they were projecting, they were thinking the pandemic was going to be better this year. And why not forge forward rather than slow things down like Disney did yeah. and finish up Velocicoaster. But I think the theming of it, and so many people love Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. I mean, those, those movies have pretty much, I think all of them have made a billion dollars plus. I mean, you know, millions upon millions of fans, billions of people have watched these movies. There's just, there's a love for dinosaurs, a love for these movies, and the the intrigue of it, the the science and the, the arts of it, everything combined together. So I think, like you said, it's just been a, it's got a great combination of things that are inspiring people in, in various ways. You know, yourself as a cosplayer, you know, these artists and Etsy and, and all over the place, people selling signs. There's, um, I think it's called Pursuit of Thrills. It's a, he does these like signs and shirts and stuff. And he came out with this amazing poster and print for Velocicoaster. Really, really well done. Uh, very, very artsy. And he sold out of his first run of posters. So wow. I checked in with him and he's, yeah, and he said a lot of them. And so he says he's going to have more available next month. So I'm like checking every day and because <laughs> I want, I missed out in the first run. But, but anyway, so, so let's, let's talk about, let's lean into theme parks for a little bit and then we'll kind of get more into the Jurassic 
park world stuff. So you're, you're from here, you know, you mentioned you're from Florida. I know Altamont Springs. Well, I drive through there all the time going to the parks because I, I live up a little bit more Northeast of you up in New Smyrna beach. Yeah. I love living by the ocean. I'm, I'm a bit really passionate about the beach and the ocean. So got that and the theme parks going, you know, I grew up here in Florida going to these parks and stuff. So tell me, what do you remember? What was the first theme park attraction you experienced? Oh my, I think I had was maybe Haunted Mansion when I was four. Okay, okay. And it it was a lot of uh, hiding in my mom's arms, I think. And then it was that and the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Okay. Not really a lot of memories, a lot of uh, closing my eyes because I was not a big fan of the dark when I was young. Okay. So it scared you? It's like a fear thing for you when you were young? Okay. Okay. So that actually may lean in well to my next question, which is, and maybe it was Haunted Mansion or Winnie the Pooh, or maybe it's something else, but it it could be something like when you were again, were a little kid or maybe something much more recently through all time as to the best of your recollection, what would you say is the theme park attraction that before getting on it scared you the most, intimidated you the most? I think that's going to be Velocicoaster. Okay. (laughs) I I just got up there and I I had... Gregory Hall, the creative director standing out there, he, f- he flagged me down and he's like, hey, so have you been on it yet? And I'm like, nope. All right, go on it and then tell me what you think. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so I, I run <laughs> through the queue because it's during the pass holder preview. There's nobody in there. So I can just breeze through. And then you get to the loading dock and you're like, oh, I'm actually doing this. And I'm just like looking back and forth is seeing Claire talk to you and just like, all right, I'm going on. So uh, because it was Jurassic, I was automatically obligated. But in my mind, I was like, all right, I'll do it once. And if I don't like it, I won't do it again. But at least I've done it because everybody's going to ask me. And if I say no, then they're going to take my uh, Jurassic World fan card away from me. So (laughs) yeah, I know I knew that from talking to you before the interview here today that you weren't going to say a big coaster person, you know, before this and all that. So I had a feeling maybe Velocicoaster might be your, your the one that scared you the most. And, and uh, you mentioned Gregory Hall, by the way, from Universal Creative. I can't go into really much detail. I met Gregory when I was one of my first rides on Velocicoaster. I remember he was asking me and some other friends of mine that I was hanging out with that were all part of this, this, this particular event and asking us what we thought of it. Very engaging, very nice guy. So, and yeah. he, he, I mean, he and his creative team, I've, I, I know some other universal creative friends of mine that were involved as well under Greg and just, they knocked it out of the park oh, they just, did. Uh, in so many ways, so many ways. So I'm so proud of what they did. So let's dig into the fear of Velocicoaster. And, and how that worked. How was it the very first time that you rode Velocicoaster, going through the queue and all that time leading up to you know, the station and getting on the train? What was going through your head? What were you thinking? I think I was flying through the queue so fast that I didn't actually have time to think. I was going through and I was like, oh, Mr. DNA. Oh, raptor statues. Oh, actual raptors <laughs> in the stables. <laughs> And then you stick your stuff in the locker and you get up there and it, I don't think it really hit me until that load platform, but I've been watching this project go up the last couple of years. And I was just thinking to myself, how am I going to talk myself into getting on there? <laughs> and it was just, it, it just hit me. I'm like, you're here. You got to do it after getting off of it. It's become my favorite attraction and I actually want to ride more coasters. The crazier, the better. Okay. Okay. Interesting. 
you mentioned that you've been involved with this project for the past few years. So are you you're not are you employed by Universal or I am not. I hope I hope to be someday. I'd love to work for Universal Creative. I uh, actually do some photos for touring plans here and there, freelance photography. So my photos have been sure. in the Saturday Six and Universal Social Media. I before I used to go there every once or so a month and just take photos of construction, see if I could point out any similarities in the architecture to things that we've seen in the movie any easter eggs i can pick up on just just to kind of feed that curiosity oh okay okay i'm not directly involved with anything though as amazing as that would be i just i would go and appreciate it watch the construction i see so so in terms of you being involved is you've been following closely like on site yeah and you i i was the same way and uh, a close friend of mine here in florida we actually just had him on the podcast here recently his name is austin Rodzanek. he he runs amusement insider uh, okay. their social media yeah as well as behind the thrills and for amusement insider he one of his things that he does and you may have seen this yourself it's had almost a million views probably over a million by now he does these what he calls future povs or concept povs of new coasters. He's, he's really into coasters like I am and David is and so forth. And he he actually started working before Universal broke ground on Velocicoaster. He started working on his POV for it because we knew wow. it was coming, you know, the rumors. And if you haven't seen it, it it's uh, I, I can send you a link to it. Oh, I um, think I've it, seen it, it. Yeah, it's with the music playing. It's got Jurassic Park music and it's got yep. some I saw majestic <laughs> score, which is I'm a score. Uh, yeah, he, he made that. So it was a labor of love for him. It took him months Wow. A lot of theming work, you know, it's not just the coaster. And yeah, so he certainly, he lives right near Universal. You can walk there actually. And he was there every day and watching the construction, looking at where the footers are, the, the track pieces, where they're lining up and, and fine tuning his model. So yeah, a lot of us have been watching, you know, a lot of, been so much anticipation for this ride especially here in Florida and even beyond. So yeah, it's like you see, I've been involved. So you had even probably some some anxiety about writing it even before the day you wrote it, right? Because you're yep. like, oh my God, like you're excited about it, but you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to ride this to keep the Jurassic Park. <laughs> I'm Jurassic gonna World die. <laughs> right. So so you wrote it, you conquered that fear. Yeah. And now again, you're not much of a coaster person before. Now you're like, oh my God, I want to ride more coasters. Yes. So whatever Universal throws out next, I'll go for it. I haven't done Hulk or Rocket yet. Just because I've heard some of the, some people say it rattles you around too much. Yes. Yes. So that's kind of what's holding me back, but I'm sure I'll go on them this year at some point. So, so yeah, again, this, this podcast again, is called Coaster Channel. We talk about theme parks. We certainly talk a lot about coasters that we're all big coaster fans. And I've ridden all the universal coasters. Uh, I've ridden almost 340 coasters now around the world. Wow. And yeah, and that there's a lot more for me to ride to conquer, but, but yeah, Rip Ride Rocket, it's, it's, it can get a little rough at times, but there's no over the shoulder restraints. Yeah. So you just have kind of that weird lap bar. So it's not going to give you a headache necessarily. It's certainly rideable once. And I, I recommend it. It's fun, though, music, choosing your own music thing, cool, which is cool. My advice for you for Hulk, Hulk's a great coaster. It is a little bit rough and it's got the over the shoulder restraints. So ride it, but just keep your head back. You got to oh, okay. just kind of hold your head back. And yeah, I know you and I are talking about meeting up Universal. If you don't get on Hulk before that, you know, we can go ride Hulk and I can, you know, I can kind of help you, you know, Sounds show like you how plan. to ride it. Yeah. Yeah. Coasters, part of being a coaster enthusiast is not all the coasters are smooth. Uh, they can't all be like Velocicoaster. And so one yeah. of the things we learned to do is how to ride coasters. Okay. And, and it, it's, it's a, you know, cause you're, you have control. I mean, you're in restraints, but you can 
you know, move your head. You can do things with your hands and your legs. Uh, there are some coasters out there, not universal, but others. Uh, there's a company called Rocky Mountain Construction, very, very famous coaster company. And they tend to have, uh, like like a Glossa coaster, just a lap bar, no over-the-shoulder restraints. But instead of over-the-shoulder restraints, they have calf restraints. Oh. And so, so they can, they can kind of warp your legs and make, you know, really be rough on your legs if you're not careful with that. So there's oh, okay. that. Okay. So thing. it's kind of so, like yeah. uh mummy and Gringotts, how their restraints are. Yeah, oh, much more restrictive than that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like your lower legs. Yeah. It's very, yeah. Cause their arm seas rides are rough. I mean, to give you a reference as we don't really have any in Florida that are open yet, but you probably heard of Iron Gwazi yes. at Bush Gardens. That that's the insane. first yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That RMC, that's the first RMC here in Florida. Oh. So, um, yeah, and it's very, I think it's probably going to have typical RMC restraints. But, but anyways, so, yeah, so you have to learn how to ride coasters to some degree. But most coasters, it's pretty much self-explanatory. And, and Universal's coasters, like Mummy's great. And, and uh, you know, Hagrid's, I'm assuming you've been on Hagrid's, right? Yes. My uh, first yeah. time that I went on that, <laughs> I was actually in my own Grady costume. And the <laughs> the team member out front was like, Oh my gosh, Owen Grady, we're so happy to see you. Hagrid's creatures have escaped, and he figured that dinosaurs and dragons and magical creatures are kind of the same thing, so come on, follow me. So they walk me up to the front, and they sit my friend who's Claire and myself in the front motorbike, and it was amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic, yeah. And yeah, Hagrid's and Velocicoaster, they're almost kind of next to each other, so to speak. Yeah. And they are both so rewritable. They're so smooth and so fun. And and by the way, I mentioned Claire. So I've seen some of your photos, recent photos where you two were together. And yeah, you two are both you know pretty convincing, especially together like that. That's Thank pretty you. Cool. That's pretty cool. For sure. So I'm glad you had that great facing fear experience with Velocicoaster of all the coasters out there. That's awesome. And and I get it because if you conquer the fear with that, because it's an intimidating coaster. Yeah. And it's so fun. And, and you flip, you basically go through this flip of, having all this anxiety and fear to when you conquer it and you're having fun at the same time, you're like, Oh, wow. Oh, by not being afraid of these things, I can go ride them and have so much fun. And there's so much fun to be at. So that's fantastic. Obviously, you know, a lot of people we talk to their, their fears, their, their the biggest fear in coaster was something that wasn't say just a few weeks ago. It was months ago. It was years ago, but you're, you're kind of unique situation here. Cause obviously you've worked for a Velocicoaster just very recently because it's, it's not even open to the public yet. I guess it's been a couple of few weeks, but since then, could you say, has there been any other impact on your life from, from conquering that fear besides now realizing, wow, there's all these coasters I can go ride and have some fun with. Is there anything else you can think of? I know it's been only been a few weeks, but. Not for the coaster per se, but just the franchise and just following the project it's definitely introduced me to so many new people yourself included it's kind of been a metaphor for myself as well just being in this cosplay following the project meeting the people it kind of cracked me out of that social anxiety shell as well hmm. because my journey to get to owen grady was uh was it was a depression thing i it was a character that i latched onto. i i can't even explain it but that character helped me find confidence and it gave me the motivation to actually start my weight loss because the more I lost, the more I felt like that character and actually people took notice of that. So I had that motivation cheering me on. Of course, you're going to get some haters when you're succeeding, but you just right. you have to keep pushing on because, I mean, <laughs> you're in full control of that. 
and it's going to lead to better things. I had such an amazing outpouring of love just these last few months because of this coaster and this costume. And for that, I'm eternally grateful and it's opening doors and opportunities I never thought were possible. And you just, you have to say yes. You have to make that effort to meet new people. I love it. I love it. There's some great messages there, great lessons learned. You know, you mentioned about course, as you become successful, you're going to have haters. Um, that's a common theme, unfortunately, in life. It's a jealousy is a very strong emotion. And mm-hmm. along with insecurity, we have something we've talked about here on this podcast, because we're you know, very much anti-bullying and everyone on this podcast, all, all of our, um, you know, myself, David, Iva, a lot of our guests and friends of the show have experienced bullying in particular because we're either standing up for what we believe in and or just accept being successful. Yeah. I know one particular, I'm not going to name, name who he is, but one particular friend uh, that ha- runs his own coaster channel on YouTube that's been on this podcast. He actually, a couple of them, I can think of a couple friends where they've been so successful, they've had other YouTubers attack them, not not physically necessarily, but try to take tear down their work, you know, make comments nasty, saying their yeah. videos are, are not made well. And just because they're jealous and they feel like they're in competition with them. And my advice to people that experience things like that is acknowledge, recognize why the people are acting that way. It's not because of something that you yourself have done wrong. It's because of their own insecurities, inadequacies, and their own problems. And that's on them. And into me, and, and again, I've dealt with this stuff myself, and that helps me to kind of frame things to be like, whatever, I'm just going to keep succeeding. And that's the ultimate way that I'm going to show those people that they're not going to be successful and, and they're bullying and then they're trying to tear me down or tear someone else down. So I'm glad that you've been successful in that regard. So you mentioned, uh, you know, some depression, some, you know, you had some, you had some weight gain or had some, had some more weight on you. So can you kind of talk me through that a little bit? You know, what time, what time period this was? What, what happened? Where were you, you know, leading up to all of this? All right. So before 2018 or so, before Fallen Kingdom came out, I was, I, I was, I was very big. It just the stress of work and just kind of the lack of joy is kind of what got me there. When Fallen Kingdom came out, I, I watched myself on Owen again. They put out the cosplay stuff for him. They put out his vest and I was like, nope, I, I can try this on. And they just debuted Blue at the Raptor Encounter. So I went out there. It just, it, it got a lot of mixed re- mixed reactions. A lot of them were, oh, look, it's Chris Fat or just mm-hmm. it's Wish Pratt and just just nasty stuff and that kind of yeah it kind of triggered in my head that I-, I could do something about it and just trying to find a way to go about it i had friends that were cosplayers i was never really included in anything and i just i wanted to make a change and do that and it's not everything about weight and stuff it's the way you look at things too and how you responsibly deal with those actions there's always an out you just you got to surround yourself with good people Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's a very, I know it's a very hard thing to do. And um, especially if, if, you know, if you're have a a lot of weight to to lose. So, so basically I think what you're trying to tell me here is you were inspired by the idea because of how much you love Jurassic Park or certainly Jurassic world in this instance to do this cosplaying. And it was a passion of yours. Mm -hmm. And so you recognized you needed to lose weight to really make it work and where it make more sense. And, and Chris inspired so, me. Yeah. So his character, Chris, Chris Pratt and his character on Grady um, inspired you. So, so, and so in that way, you were able to lose the weight successfully. Yeah. I just, I, I kind of always went back to that character and just him as a person, he's always so happy and carefree. It just, 
I saw what this character did for some people too. There were a lot of people that were positive and were like, they were thanking me for just running around as this character. Like this character brings me so much joy. Thank you for doing this. So I kind of fed off of that. I realized I was doing something good and it just, it kind of snowballed from there. Right, right. How long would you say it was? Like what time period was it? You mentioned like 2018, like how long did it take you to really get to the point where you lost, lost, you know, a lot of weight where you were, where you wanted to be to cosplay? And it was probably 2019 when I realized that it was, it was something I needed to do. I was getting sick all the time. I was unhealthy. I was unhappy. I was just like, I'm the only person that's responsible for this. I got myself here. I'm the only one that can get myself out. And everybody is different. You have to persevere through it. What I did was I cut out all carbs because I'm a very impatient person. (laughs) And that will actually do that. So I cut out all carbs. I just stuck to lean meats, veggies, fruits, nuts. As I was losing the weight, I was able to fit on more attractions. That kind of boosted my confidence too. I could go spend more time with my friends because a lot of those coasters are a little restrictive. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, um, yeah. It, um, I started in April of 2019 and it took me till about December. I lost about 85 pounds, about a third of my body weight. Wow. So December of 2019? Yeah. So about eight months. Wow. So it's about 10 pounds a month. Yeah. The first month I I hit it pretty hard, actually, just cutting out the carbs. And I wasn't even doing intense workouts. I lost 35 pounds. Wow. Wow. Now... You know, one topic that's been a, a, a somewhat of a topic over the past year for a lot of people, I know I've talked to my friends about it, is the, the, the you know, the joke about COVID-19 and there's the COVID-20, the 20 pounds you gained because of yeah. COVID. I, I've been one of the rare people where I don't know why I, I still like getting out and getting exercise and stuff. I walk my dogs and got my pool here in my house and, you know, where I actually lost weight during the pandemic. But I mean, how did, how did that go for you? Were you able to kind of keep this conviction going this past year, getting ready for Jurassic World for Velocicoaster to open? and you know i i tried and I, i've done pretty good sticking with it but then christmas rolled around and oh boy <laughs> and so did the seasonal girlfriend I, I i put on 10 pounds but i i needed it right right well i mean i i mean i've seen your recent pictures i mean i've met not you in person i know we're, we're you know looking forward to that eventually you know i mean up universal and stuff but but i've seen your pictures recently you're cosplaying and you know and, and chris pratt he's not you know he's not like a super lean guy you know he's kind of like a little a little bit of a vocalier kind of muscular kind of guy and you know you you look like him i mean you kind of have that Thank build you. like him yeah i mean are you, are you similar in height by the way to him do you know that or <sighs> i wish i uh <laughs> chris pratt's six foot three i'm five eleven but with the boots oh. on it kind of people that actually worked with him on velocicoaster actually told me that we do have similar similar body types so that, that was cool to know <laughs> similar yeah builds. that's cool yeah there you go similar builds right that's really cool yeah that, that's a really cool story i love how you were inspired by you know a film franchise and by a you know a theme park land that's been built around it uh and this exciting new attraction and with probably more to come from what the rumors rumors are suggesting because uh-huh. you know yeah, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World are, you know, they're really Universal's, one of their biggest franchises, certainly after uh, Fast and Furious, probably Fast and Furious first, of course, and then Jurassic Park, Jurassic World is an overall yeah. franchise. But Jurassic and so you merchandise yeah. money, though. Oh, yeah, lots of merchandise money. Yeah. There's a lot of synergy there. So you've been a fan. You said you saw Jurassic Park, the first movie as a kid. You've been a fan of these movies 
long before Velocicoaster, before this cosplaying, like, like, you know, again, this is an audio podcast, of course, where we're doing this. So as we do all of our recordings over Zoom and we like to see each other. So I'm seeing in your room there, this amazing backdrop of these posters and dinosaurs and toys and pops. And so, I mean, that stuff, you've been collecting that your whole life, right? <laughs> uh, no, actually. Oh, you really? Would th- you would think. It's, uh, it's so elaborate. Yeah. So tell me about that. Yeah. It, it all goes back to 2018 when Fallen Kingdom came out. It just, the marketing push was nonstop. It was oh. constantly in consciousness, just the toys and everything. I never had Jurassic Park toys. I always wanted them, but I was just never impressed with what Hasbro put out because right. the biggest thing with them was they put screw holes in their figures. So you would only have one clean side of your dinosaur figure and they would never be oh. accurate. And just, yeah, just everything that they did for Fallen Kingdom between the marketing and all the new merchandise, the promotional food items, everything. It was my lost world. I know a lot of Lifetime right. fans of the franchise will say the lost world is their best memories because the marketing was like no other film compared to that. Just right. Like, So that's kind of when I went off the deep end and I was like, oh, I'll buy every figure they put out. And then Mattel's done all these repaints and it's like, please stop. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm running out of room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So, okay. So really Fallen Kingdom was really pivotal for you. It, you know, inspired you with a cosplay and, and to do make a really healthy change in your life that was inspiring. Probably, I'm guessing also gave you confidence losing the weight and all that, right? Right, and which I, just I the see response that. from Universal too yeah. has been—they've been following me from from what I've been told for a couple of years now. So that's been a major. Oh, I'm being watched. I need to pump out <laughs> content, and I need to behave. <laughs> nice. So is that you know like Universal Orlando, like the PR team and like the Twitter account and that, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So when I went to the Velocicoaster preview, the marketing guys came up to me. They're like, "We really like you. Keep it up." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. So I'm not in trouble." <laughs> That's fantastic. And, and, you know, I got to say, Universal Orlando, like the, their PR team, you know, like the, it manages their Twitter and their social media. Those guys are just on point. There, there's a number of PR teams in the theme park realm, especially here in the U.S., that are known, that have become known. The Universal's one of them. Uh, Kentucky Kingdom, they're, they're also well known for, for kind of uh, um, just kind of baiting, baiting things and just having fun with things and trolling, but not a negative sort of mean or bullying kind of trolling just so they're the Wendy's of the theme park twitter account yeah there you go yeah and <laughs> universal orlando i'd love to meet meet those guys who whoever's behind the, the, the brains behind that or sure several people but but just what they've been doing and i love how how interactive how involved they are like they they jump on the thrill geeks uh, live live you know streams and so forth like you've been involved with for their recordings of their podcasts and I love the things they say and it's just, they're, they're just awesome. I love their positivity and how much fun they have and how they kind of play with people. It's just spectacular. They really know how Um, to build people uh, up and encourage. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're really, again, they're very positive. They're they're not nasty and and they'll have fun with the other theme parks, even Disney and, you know, and it's just having fun. It's just not taking yourself too seriously and joking around and stuff. I love it. I love it. That whole marketing push with, with the universal, not to say universal parks, but you know, with the universal movies and studios and so forth with the, with Fallen Kingdom, you know, so that kind of got you going with a lot of these merchandise and, and collectibles. And then of course, inspired you beyond that again to, to do the cosplay. 
did you see Jurassic World, the first of the trilogy? You know, that came out back in 2015. Did you see that when it first came out? Not when it first came out, but I did get to see it in theaters. And I was actually working at Toys R Us at the time. I enjoyed the movie. So I was like, all right, we're doing a Lego Jurassic World building event. I might as well throw together a Owen costume and say hello to the kids. That was kind of actually my, that actually was my first time cosplaying and first time cosplaying the character at that point. But it just, it was something that wasn't always in the forefront of my thinking all the time. I just, it was a thing that I did and then kind of forgot until Fallen Kingdom came out. One funny thing was during that Lego building event, I was standing there with Jeffrey and a little kid, he's been waiting an hour just to get to the tables to build. He looks at me and he starts crying and I'm asking him, why why are you crying? And he's like, you're going to make the velociraptors eat me. (laughs) I'm like, no. So yeah, that's that's spectacular. So yeah, so Jurassic World so kind of got you a little bit started, but it really kicked into high drive with Fallen Kingdom, the most recent movie. Yeah. And you know, Chris Pratt, um, you know, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, He's, He's one of these actors that, and there's others like him out here, but where he can go into drama, action, comedy, he can do it all. And, and I've been, I've been a fan of his since long before he was famous. I don't know, you probably know this because you're, you're a follower of him now. He was in a TV show back in the early 2000s called Everwood. And he was, he played uh, Bright or Brighton, one of the, the brother of one of the main characters. And he was kind of a, he was a smart kid, but he was kind of a little, not a bully, but kind of a wise ass kind of character, older brother, but relatively a good kid. And then of course he grew up and he got into Parks and Rec and, and then, of course, you know, the big thing was with getting into Jurassic World and Guardians of the Galaxy. And he is, if you think about it, he's not the only one, but he's one of only a couple, I think, of people now. Him and Dom Hall Gleason, where they're featured in attractions at both Disney and Universal. So Dom Hall Gleason, of course, that's Arthur Weasley, General, General Hux. Hux from Star Wars, you know, Rise of the Resistance. So, that you know, he Dom Hall got it first because... Up until, you know, recently, up until now, um, Chris Pratt was not featured in a Universal attraction yet, but that's all changed. So it's pretty cool. I mean, he's he's like all the place. He's like, these guys are kind of like the modern day Harrison Fords. They're just all over the place. All these crazy big, big time movies. And, you know, I remember just the character he's played, you know, as, as Owen Grady, how inspiring Owen has been to people. I remember back in 2015 when the whole, you know, idea that you could train velociraptors and he's actually working with these animals and so respectful of them and, you know, very, you know, again, the whole kind of animal conservation aspect of it, where he would do the thing with his hands, holding them out to kind of hold the raptors at bay and where these zoos, I'm a huge animal fan. I'm, I, I've actually rescued yeah. animals, used to rescue marine mammals in California. Huge fan of like, big fan of SeaWorld and all, you know, all the zoos and everything. And I remember these zoos all over the world were the zookeepers and, and animal behaviorists were, were, were mimicking that with their animals. It was just so fun and so cool. And I love that, that Chris's character, you know, Owen inspired that. So yeah, Is I mean, it's a great- I've never heard of that show, Brightwood, before? <laughs> or Everwood. Yeah, ch- ch- yeah, I, was, oh, yeah. I know you're big- <laughs> Everwood, Everwood. I don't know what you can stream it on. It was, I think, on the CW back in the time. Is this but, how yeah, I get I mean, kicked off the podcast? Yeah, this you've lost your card now. No, it's you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let Universal PR know, and it's it's all over now. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, no, check out the show. I mean, I don't know how old he he probably was in his late teens at that point. I'm guessing. I mean, he was very early on. Probably was his first gig. Certainly one of his first gigs as an actor. So would you say that Chris or or perhaps Owen kind of a role model for you? 
definitely just his positivity respect for all people and just just going out of your way to make extra joy for people you don't know what people are going through so you can either make or break them just you might as well right. build them up it doesn't right. yeah, cost I know. anything yeah so that's I know. You know, been was, an inspiration yeah. i know um that's that's fantastic i know you know actors sometimes actors are not the best people in reality in real life the lives they lead and how they interact with their fans but you know if the things i've heard of chris i'm not like some super fan of his but i know of him you know he's got kind of that kind of positivity about him and so you've not met him yet i take it no so when they announced the grand opening for velocicoaster i booked the hotel royal pacific because that's the closest to islands of adventure yes so my thinking was all right I'll get up at 3 a.m. I'll throw in my costume and I'll go wait at City Walk at that little security area because then I don't yes. have to wait at the toll booth and who knows when they're going to open up if they open up on time and I'll be at the front of the line. I'll be with the media because I'm in costume. He'll notice me. I, <laughs> I I'm, I'm I've since calmed down from that because realistically, I don't think he'll be there. But right, right. One day yeah. I'd love to. I've met Jeff Goldblum. I got him to sign my Ian Malcolm Funko Pop. So I just need to meet Bryce and Chris and I will be happy. Nice. I'd love to meet nice. and get Ellie's and Allen's. But once Dominion comes out, I'm sure they'll start doing cons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. I, and I, oh, I, again, I'm a huge movie buff, huge movie goer. It's one of my other kind of hobbies and passions. I, I love going to the theaters. I'm, this weekend, I'm excited to go see A Quiet Place too. I'm probably going to go see it in IMAX there at the uh, Regal Theater right near Universal. I am so excited for Dominion. One, we talked about this earlier about you know how it's opening up the world with you know with volcanoes with 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 dinosaurs all over the world. You know how they showed things at the end of Fallen Kingdom. The fact that everyone is going to be in it, they're going to have this huge swan song. And from what I've read because I follow a lot of movie rumors, Dr. Grant and Ellie and, and, and Malcolm, all of them, they're going to have major roles. They're not going to be just, you know, here and there. They're going to be as important as uh, Owen Grady and as, you know, as, as um, you know, everyone. They're everyone not else getting the Star Wars secret yeah. treatment, thank God. Yes, <laughs> that's right. So I just, I think Colin, Trevorrow and the, and the Universal team, I think they're, they're doing things right here and then what's at stake. So um, I'm so excited for that movie. But I think next year, right? Yep. Next June. Yeah. In 2022. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's well, I do hope you get to meet Chris Pratt one day because you deserve it. And thank you. I know how much that would mean to you. Absolutely. I, I, I bet it will happen. I'd I be an incoherent happen. mess. I was an incoherent mess <laughs> when I met Gregory Hall and Shelby Honea. And I was just like, oh. Yeah. Gregory's so approachable. He's just such a nice guy just chatting with. Yeah. But I get it. I mean, it was a big deal for you. Absolutely. So, okay. Well, I, I, I am very, very inspired by the journey you went through these past few years and how it's changed your life. I had no idea. You know, I just, I just knew of you from chatting with you and, you know, hearing you on Thrill Geek a couple episodes that like, okay, this guy, he's talented. He likes to, you know, do the cosplay thing. He does voices and yeah. And like, I didn't, you know, there's this great backstory here and, you know, that's, what's great about, about interviews like this is to really get to some of that backstory and some of the real meaning. And we talk a lot about fear on this show. And like you said, social anxiety or had a lot of weight and so forth that our, our listeners, all, all human beings, we all have our hangups, our, our issues, our things we're afraid of and things we, we don't want to go out in public about. And, you know, sometimes we can make changes with those things like you did, or sometimes we just have to gain a new perspective, yeah. uh, but you were driven and inspired and you made a change for yourself physically that helped you emotionally mentally and let you just you know blossom 
And that's, that's fantastic. And, you know, now, now you've got universal PR just saying, Hey, great job. Keep it up. And that tells you something right there. So that that's, that's fantastic. So let's, let's talk a little more about theme parks a little bit. What has been your craziest moment you've ever experienced on a, a theme park attraction? Like something that maybe went wrong, not in the script that's like, it's supposed to go wrong. Of course, like what could go wrong, but yeah. maybe, you know, you got stuck on a ride or you saw something crazy happen next to you. Like anything like any stories like that? There was this one time I was on Gringotts. We were stuck right after the send-off from Don Hall Gleason's character, Bill Weasley. We were right at the load platform. We were stuck there for 45 minutes. And those lap bars are not forgiving. They jam them down tight. Yeah. There were uh, three other families on board. I was with one of my sisters. They all just start fighting with each other. I I don't know what set it off, but everybody's screaming at each other. I'm just like, help help can you and eventually they got us off which was good and then they gave us the ruby passes to do whatever we wanted other than that i've never really gotten stuck on anything i would love to get stuck on dinosaur so i could walk around and take photos of the carnotaurus <laughs> nice nice nothing nothing uh nothing too out of the ordinary I've been fortunate. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I just got stuck myself on Hagrid's for the first time, just for a few minutes. Uh, okay. It was right after the spike. So going up the spike, came back down and stopped right after the spike at the base of the spike. And I, I, you know, again, I'm a huge coaster fan and I'm an engineer. I love knowing how things work. And you probably know this because of the way that Hagrid's is, is that there's a track switch right there. Because yep. the you, you, way you go forward is not the same track you go on backwards. Of course, that would be problematic, obviously, with other trains. So there's a switch that happens there where when the train goes up the spike and comes back down, there's time for that track switch to move over. Well, what happens if it doesn't move over? Or if the safety sensors that check to see if it's moved over, if they've They've had a momentary glitch. So I'm thinking something like that happened. So the safety's kicked in, thankfully, for the because of situations like that that can happen. And eventually we we got kind of the coaster on its own, you know, through programming, started moving forward after a couple of minutes and then went through the rear, the, re- the backwards launch and continued into the show building for the, for the, for the next thing that occurs. I don't want to give it away in case people haven't been on it yet, but uh, anyway, so that was a unique experience. I've never been caught on the most complex coaster on the planet, which is Hagrid's. Yeah. With all I'd those love launches. to get a rollback on Velocicoaster. Yeah. That would be interesting. Oh yeah. I would love that too. I remember hearing about the testing of the rollback during the testing a couple months ago where they were, you know, you know, making sure that function works where if it doesn't crest the top hat, comes back down, get, you know, and then can then get accelerated back through the boost launch again, where it can go over again, where yeah. they could basically correct the situation without having to shut down the ride for hours. I would love that rollback. So again, you're getting into the coaster realm and David knows where I'm going to go with this. So there is a very famous coaster. It's the second tallest coaster in the world. It's in Cedar Point in, in Sandusky, Ohio. It's called Top Thrill Dragster. It's a launch coaster made by Intamin, the same company that makes that made Velocicoaster, but it's a different kind of launch. It's not a magnetic launch like the two that Velocicoaster has or the many launches that Hagrid's has, also built by Intamin, by the way. The launch that Top Thrill Dragster uses is that coaster opened about 20 years ago. Well, about 18 years ago at this point, 2003 or so. Back then, there were companies doing magnetic launches like Velocicoaster and Hagrid's have, but it wasn't as common and they weren't as 
as technically complex. So back then, some companies like Instrument would use a catapult launch, like what they use on aircraft carriers, which is proven technology. It's been around for decades, of course, on aircraft carriers. So it's one launch. It's just a one launch coaster. It's It can be super powerful. And so Topdoor Dragster is over 400 feet tall. It's got a big top hat for that 400 feet crest, for over 400 feet crest. You're launched up to, I think, about 125 miles an hour or so. Wow. It's Yeah. The ultimate, one of the ultimate like gotchas, like badges of something special in the coaster realm is to get a rollback on Tropical Dragster. <laughs> and I know some people, I have some friends that have gotten it. I have not, but yeah, I love, okay. So here, this is so cool. I didn't even think about this. So you are, you weren't a coaster person before a couple of weeks ago, really much at all. Yeah. And VelociCoaster turned you into a coaster person where now you want rollbacks. That's so awesome. I love it. <laughs> That's like instant fan right there. That's just so cool. throw anything at me <laughs> as long as it's safe. <laughs> right. Well, uh, well, that's the thing about seat parks. I mean, nothing. Th- yes. Accidents can occur, of course. And we've talked about this before. I've talked about this before on the podcast. You know, you talk about how airplanes are safer than cars, of course. Well, coasters and, and theme park attractions at your modern theme parks, like a Disney Universal or Cedar Point or places like that. I mean, they are so safe. Accidents especially anything that's serious or deadly are so rare that they're even safer than airplanes are. I mean, it's just so theme parks are a great place for people to conquer their fears in a safe manner versus say, you know, maybe bungee jumping or things like that, which can be a little more dangerous, but also get adrenaline in a, again, a very safe and therapeutic manner. And so, yeah, I mean, talk to me about that a little bit. So, you know, you conquer your fears on VelociCoaster. How about the other side of that while on the ride? Because that ride, has, it's an amazing layout, the pacing of it, like the, the the joy of riding that ride. Talk to me about that. All right. So my first ride on it, I was holding on for dear life. I've seen it cycle forever through that spaghetti bowl. It just looks so slow. You know what I mean? It just, yep. it looks yep. like it just glides through there. But depending on where you sit, that thing will haul you, especially if you're in the front row. I think yep. you get the most airtime in that oh, to absolutely. the point where I, I had yeah. to... Uh, you don't really get a place for your feet to rest if you're in the front row. So I just kind of hug the seat with my legs when you're going through all those inversions. I, I, I think that might be my favorite part other than the launch, but just, oh my goodness. It, it's uh, that, that first time I was just hanging on and that first launch got me so hard and I'm just like, oh, okay, okay. And <laughs> I get to the station and I'm like, that was really good. I'm going to do it again. And I just, I, I didn't think about it. I was just like, I I love that adrenaline. I love the speed. I just, I love the theming. It was an instant. Yes. Now some coasters that we talk about something called pacing where uh, a great coaster has great pacing. You go from one element to the next where it's kind of a natural progression, kind of organic, and there's no lulls, there's no spots where you're like, okay, when's the next part happening? And there are coasters out there where they're, unfortunately, they're not designed well in that regard, where they have these like straightaway sections. They're just kind of boring and like, okay, yeah. when's the excitement going to start again? Velocicoaster doesn't have that problem. It's you just don't bam, get bam, any bam, time bam, to bam. stop. And so I think that's why, like, I had the same experience myself after the first ride. It's like, I didn't even know what to think. I was like, what the heck just happened these past two plus minutes? And so, you know, it kind of sounds like you had the same experience. I mean, so many of my friends have described it the same way. So, but you obviously, you enjoyed it. You conquered the fears, but you enjoyed, you know, for me, Velocicos is one of the few coasters out there where I can, like, I start laughing at parts of it. Yeah, um, that's exactly how is, I was. Yeah, 
Yeah, the airtime is so insane, especially in the front. I love the front. The front is the best part of that ride. The back is more forceful, but not as, does not have as much airtime overall. But just the layout of it and just, just the, the thrill of it is just spectacular and the feelings you get from it. So that's okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So we're talking, I actually, I probably know the answer to this next question already, but we ask all our guests these, these few questions I've been getting into here. Tell me your favorite attraction of all time. That's definitely going to have to be Seuss trolley train, right? No, I'm kidding. It's Lost Coaster. <laughs> okay. It's funny. Cause you were, you were kind of playing me there. You're like, you're, you're thinking about, I'm like, oh, maybe it's not Velocity. No, he's just playing me. Okay. All right. So we already know the story there. Okay. What about on the other side of things? And maybe you already named it with the Seuss trolley train. What is your least favorite attraction? My least favorite, probably Carousel of Progress. I don't care if really? it's hot out. I just, I, I can't do that song. Okay. So it's I, know that, I know that sounds like yeah. sacrilegious to some people <laughs> there. A million Disney fans just cried out in pain. So, (laughs) okay. So it's not, you don't mind necessarily the story of it or how the ride, it's just the the song, Big Beautiful Tomorrow. It's just the whole thing. It's just, it's not fast. It's not for me. I can appreciate what it was, but if somebody drags me on it, I'm going to look at them like this the whole time. Too funny, too funny. Okay. All right. So that, I get it. I mean, it's not for everyone. It can be boring for some. The music is kind of like a lot of people don't like it's a small world because the music's repetitive yeah. and it, it gets in your head and you can't get it out. I totally get it. Okay. Obviously, we've talked about it at length here. You and I, we've both ridden Velocicoaster. I've ridden it at this point 15 times. You've ridden it, what, 18 times? Yep. Nice. Nice. Even though you've ridden already. I'm going to guess you still have special plans for June 10th, which is the grand opening of Velocicoaster. Tell me about what you're going to be doing that day. All right. So I am booking my hotel. I already have it booked for uh, Royal Pacific. I'm actually going to check in on the 9th. So that way I can just take it easy, walk around, see if it's open, get a few more rides in and just enjoy the excitement. I'm going to crash, go to bed really early because I plan on getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning because just... I four in the morning, you never know what you're going to get. Yep. And just yep. that toll booth there, that intersection with that light can be unforgiving at times. And I'm just looking at all the Potter openings. Yep. It's, it's pretty intimidating, but the way they handled just cycling the attractions so regular day guests could go on for the last month. I don't think grand opening will be as bad. I think it'll be pretty manageable and they've been able to keep at least three to four trains on the track the whole time. So yes, it shouldn't be as bad. So yeah, I'm going to get in cosplay. I'm trying to get my friend who cosplays Claire and she said she's going to try and get her niece so we can go as Owen Claire and Maisie Lockwood from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Oh yeah. Yeah. Be like a little family and go at three in the morning and wait outside City Walk there because there hasn't been any kind of clear answer on what's going on. I'm just going to go around and ask on the 9th, try and see if I can get an answer so that way I can plan a little bit better. But we're going to be up super early. That seems to be the consensus in the theme park community, 3 a.m. Once it opens, just book it safely to Velocicoaster. I know I've seen the Today Show kind of say that they might be there. I know they're giving away that vacation to Mm. Universal, so... Maybe Al Roker will be there if he is. That would be an amazing ride to sit in the front row with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. I love it. But yeah, just just go see if I can hang out with some celebrities, take photos and just enjoy the environment. And just it's kind of like a holiday almost in a way. All that excitement building up and then you're finally there and 
it doesn't have to go away. It's there. Right. Yeah. No, it's, that's exciting. And yeah, it's going to be great. No, I love it. I love your plans you have. And it echoes something I've experienced before. I've been to openings before. And uh, in fact, I mentioned this person earlier, my buddy Austin from Amusement Insider. He and I met up at Hollywood Studios on, uh, was it December 5th, 2019? Yeah, I already know where I'm going with this. You know, I'm a, he's not even a big Star Wars fan. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. David's a huge Star Wars fan. And <laughs> David might laugh at this. So David, of course, lives in California. We're here in Florida. Disneyland stole our thunder as far as Galaxy's Edge, because their Galaxy's Edge, you know, Smuggler's Run, the initial opening of Galaxy's Edge, theirs opened a few months before ours. You know, when it was a few months later, when, Gal- when, um, when Rise of the Resistance was opening, as because of some things that happened and an accident that happened, it turns out ours got to open first here in Florida. So I'm like, oh yeah, I got to be there for opening, and here's my time to have some excitement with with, with Galaxy's Edge. So yeah, my buddy and I, Austin and I, we we met up. I remember waiting outside the toll booths, the parking toll booths at Hollywood Studios at four in the morning, waiting for them to open up the parking to let people in, then running over to the front gates, waiting there, and then finding out about the boarding pass system. And we, we my buddy and I, we both got boarding passes, and that's good. Uh, and that was a ma- and, and and that was a magical day because. Use magical with Disney because we had no idea, but Disney did. My my hats off here to Disney. So I, I you know, we we criticize Disney sometimes in the podcast because Universal really has been firing on all cylinders in comparison. But I got to give props to Disney here. What they did for that opening day, and I think many of the days afterwards, even though they they were letting people in like five in the morning into the park, the park wasn't supposed to open that day until like seven or eight. They had every single attraction open at five in the morning. So here's my buddy Austin and I, we got our boarding pass where, you know, it's going to be hours, you know, nine, 10 o'clock before we're going to get on it. And we're like, okay, we're going to be bored. We're going to be waiting. No, we, all the attractions are open. We're getting on Slinky Dog in 10 minutes, wide, riding a Slinky Dog at night, which is unusual, you know, not common or lapping Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster. It was, it was, it was, it was epic. It was so cool. It was like having what, what, um. We call in the in the coaster enthusiast realm ERT exclusive ride time where you have like special event you know kind of like uh, the Disney after hours events those are ERT type events we got ERT by going to the opening of Rise of the Resistance That's so, so cool yeah so I, I hope that you know I'm not planning to go to the opening on June 10th just because I've already been on the ride so much I'm like you know I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna work but hey I get it you're cosplay and everything. You're, you're like an organic part of this attraction in a way. So yeah, I totally get it. Why you're, they you're just plug me there. in at the end of the yeah. night, just like Eddie at horror makeup <laughs> show. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. So, I mean, you're a part of it. And I, so I hope you get to have like buddy and I, our experience we had at rise of the resistance. I hope you get to have something like that where maybe for you, you know, fingers crossed, it's going to be, you get to meet some really cool people or, Maybe Chris Pratt will show up or, you know, who knows? You know, if I were you, I don't know if you've thought about this already, since you already have a great relationship with the PR team at Universal, maybe reach out to them and say, hey, I'm going to be there. You know, what, what, you know, you, you know, what should I, what's the best thing for me to do or whatever, yeah. you know, maybe they can help you out. So but anyway, so yeah, I'm excited to learn, you know, from you how that all goes and, and everything else. And, and I'm sure it'll go with a lot more smoothly than Hagrid's opening did in June of 2019. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because my. Yeah, I was there opening weekend. I was not there opening day. I was there um, a day or two later. Again, my same friend Austin and I, we met up there. And oh my God, that was, I mean, I waited. I waited for hours for my first ride. And I love that first ride. It's a great ride. But oh yeah, I mean, I'm so 
impressed by Intamin and Universal Creative and 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 the parks up park ups team at Universal. They they're getting Velocicoaster down with these previews and the, now the technical rehearsals and they they've done a stellar job. So yeah, they have. hats off to them. Yeah, the only sure, grand opening sure. I've attended has been the Transformers: The Ride 3D, and that was an experience. I got there oh. around nine o'clock. They were just guiding everybody. Okay, here's the best spots to watch what's going on. And I was kind of at that little covered area by the clock. Yeah. Right across from the vault store, the Transformers yes. supply vault. They had the red carpet and everything. They had explosions going off when the Decepticons attacked. They had the replicas of Optimus Prime and Bumblebee racing around. And before all that, they had Steven Spielberg walking around. Oh, wow. Um, Frank Welker. I'm blanking on, uh, oh, Peter Cullen. And I was about oh, yeah. six feet away from them. It was it was a surreal experience. So hopefully we get something like that for Velocicoaster. Oh, yeah. But yeah. even if we don't, I'm still going to be thankful and happy to be there. Because... Yeah, wow. And Peter Cullen's voice for Optimus Prime, that's so legendary. That's like, it's like the, it's like an authoritarian voice that's so soothing at the same time. Yeah. So I'm a huge Transformers fan and I loved all the new movies and the ride's great. I mean, it's not Velocicoaster, but it's, yeah. it's a good ride. It's a good ride. You, you saw Jurassic Park for the first time when you were a kid, but it's really, it's really only been this past three years where it's just exploded, right? Did not just yeah. the, not just the collectibles, but just the, like, t- talk to me a little bit about like, you know, besides Velocicoaster, like the cosplay like you dress up as own Grady and then you just like walk around Jurassic Park, the land, you like go on river adventure. I mean, what, what's the, what do you do? Before COVID, I would go and I would talk to my friends in the Discovery Center. The first time I actually went with one of my friends as Claire, they invited us into the nursery and we got to take photos and we got to sign little birth certificates with little engine <laughs> logos on them. I've just been kind of going back, even without costume, I'd go and I'd see them. And some of them are really good friends right now. Just even oh, wow. when I do go in costume, I'd go around, check new merchandise. I'd go on River Adventure, absorb the atmosphere. But I would also oh, sure. go with my other cosplay friends because I'm a cosplay photographer too. So I would take photos yeah. of them and, okay, I take photos of you. Will you take photos of me? And just uh, <laughs> we'll right. both get content. Right, so, right, right. Um, now, what about the raptor encounter? Okay, you're Owen Grady. Yeah, you, so you're training these raptors. So, what happens when you go in the raptor encounter? Um, it's different every time. It depends on who's there and it depends on what kind of a mood blue is in there was one time <laughs> i actually recreated chris pratt's behind the scenes dance his warm-up dance in the raptor paddock it's that famous gif of him doing the just hands oh, on yeah. the hips and bouncing around <laughs> and i broke blue right and the raptor handler was like he wants you to dance blue and blue just looks at the handler like he's not making me do this right now is he and she looks back at me and she tries to nip and then i just i keep doing it and i'm like she, she doesn't want to dance. I, I don't know what it is. And she just starts bobbing up and down. Like, is this what I'm supposed to do? <laughs> and then so. I've, I, I've, I've had trainers get into the zone and be like, oh, oh my gosh, it, it, it's, it's, it's my boss. And just play in character. It's fun. And we'll have people that will actually think we're part of the experience, but we have, we'll tell them, no, we don't work for the parks. We're just big fans. And they'll ask for a photo here and there. And I've just, people come up and say how much that this means to them. And they love these characters and it made their day and simple as going in costume. 
I had one person yeah. actually break down crying and asking for a hug because they love the franchise so much. And oh wow, I was like, sure, because again, just the kindness thing. You, you could either make or break that person, right? By just reacting negatively. So it's 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 a lot of fun. You get different reactions every time, and you meet new people through it. I've made so many friends just through this costume alone. And oh, I bet all the I'm doors sure. it's opened. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, wow. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, I mean, these characters are so inspiring. I mean, you know, even like Jurassic World, you know, Owen Grady's character, again, he's the one that cares so deeply about these animals from the start. And then you go from Jurassic World to Fallen Kingdom and you see Claire's journey and how she goes from being this sort of corporate, well, <laughs> to being so so in love with these animals and you know at the point where she's doing whatever she can to save them and then of course the volcano and fall kingdom and, and it's just i'm again i'm a huge animal conservationist and yeah you know, i'm very passionate in that area and so granted these are not real animals but universal and amblin and everyone involved with these these movies they do such a good job that you have an emotional connection with these animals that are just exist in ones and zeros yeah. you know they're they're digital and and then that is a true measure of success for a movie like that and for for uh, for a franchise like that it's just it's stellar so so i think one last thing i'd like to do so i understand that you uh, do voices a little bit yeah so i will uh, practice every now and then i did theater in high school so i would have to practice different voices which doesn't make any sense that i I can't do musical theater, but I can do regular voice impersonations. So hi, oh, there, it's Kermit the Frog and just other stuff like that. Or just when we do our closing announcements at the store every night, I'll like whip, whip out a voice like, hello, this is March. Store's closing. Just, <laughs> just, That's pretty it, good. <laughs> I figured out ways to annoy people. It's kind of, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, you know how some people sing in the shower? I'll do that. I'll do the voices. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. That's too funny. Thank you. Given the, um, the the kind of one of the main themes of this episode, which of course is relates to Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, giving you a huge passion for it. Again, I'm a big fan too. I know that you do a voice of a beloved character from the entire franchise. It's been in all the movies, as I recall, pretty much. Uh, so... The one, um, Jurassic World, and the Velocicoaster queue. And Camp Cretaceous. Yes. So can you maybe do a little of a Mr. DNA for us? Oh, there. I'm Mr. DNA. I'm in your blood. <laughs> I actually uh, read the Mr. There's DNA's the... book. That was a uh, last minute thing. And Universal jumped on the Thrill Geek uh, live stream and they're like, read it to us. So they were eating just... it up. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is the, the actual author of the book follows me. I don't know if he's seen this yet. So it was kind of like, oh, I got to no. do him proud. And just the way he wrote this book, it's so cute. And it it captures that character just so well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just the, the I'm Mr. DNA. Welcome to Jurassic World. Only dinosaur theme park on Earth. First thing you're probably wondering is where we got the dinosaurs from. Well, that's where I come in. Just... <laughs> And great. Uh, apparently great. it's a Alabama accent, I guess. That sounds <laughs> but, about right. Yes, yeah, definitely Southern, of course. Yeah, yeah. That's a, you do a great job. That's awesome. That's thank awesome. You. So do you have any, uh, any, any advice you'd like to give our listeners and our, uh, the fans of the, of the podcast here? Again, with the kindness thing, just be careful with your words. They have actions, have respect for all people. You don't know what somebody's going through. Just the simplest thing can encourage them and lead them to who they need to be. 
No, thank you. That's good advice. And that's something that I think we all could benefit from because we all have voices that we didn't used to have social media, for example, not even just this podcast, of course, but you know, here we have voices on this podcast and, and so forth. And that's, that's, that's a powerful thing, a responsibility thing too. But, you know, we all are in social media, you know, we have to be kinder to each other. And I, I certainly in my earlier years in social media, I, I could have been better and I've learned, you know, we all can learn and be kinder and gentler, more understanding. And even the, even the people that are the bullies out there, I try to be more understanding of them and like I was talking about earlier, and just kind of, you know, let them be who they are and just kind of move on from it and don't give them so much attention. But but no, thank you. That's very good advice. So the last thing, if you could share, because I know you're all over social media and also people can even find you in real life, of course, with your cosplay. So tell tell our audience where they can find you both in the real and the virtual world. All right. So for Twitter, it is Michael Corelli, last name spelled C-A-R-E-L-L-I. And then you can find me on Instagram under Jurassic underscore yearbook. I do a bunch of toy photography, cosplay, art. I just started getting into recently. Every now and then I'll live stream from the parks and just memes shenanigans on there. And then (laughs) for the theme park stuff, it's my name as well, Michael Corelli. And you can find me in the annual pass holder page and uh, permanently glued to a Velocicoaster seat. (laughs) <laughs> love it love it and by the way your artwork you know we were talking about earlier a little bit your your i think watercolor is what you do with painting right i uh i do acrylic i do gouache i do watercolor just whatever the piece would look better as i try and do but the velocicoaster one was actually acrylic on canvas i just got oh, that wow. digitally printed i'm still trying to figure out where to get it printed are you that's my next question was are you going to do prints are you going to sell them or I am going to do prints. It's, I was hoping to get them in time for grand opening, but I reached out to somebody who's a leader in the community and they said to go with a certain site. So I'm going to check them out and see if I can get those prints out in time. Okay. Yeah. Um, When you have that, like a link to that, and and we'd be happy to put that in our show notes so that people can, can find it you know, and, and get your prints. And so you. yeah, I'm, I'm definitely planning on checking that out myself, probably getting one. So, well, thank you so much, Michael. This is really fun, very meaningful conversation talking about the journey you went through starting in 2018. And I, I love your passion for this amazing film franchise and what's it's come out into the real world with these amazing theme park rides and this theme park land that keeps just evolving. Universal Orlando's Islands of Adventure one of the best theme parks in the world. And I'm just so glad that you're on this amazing positive journey. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you so much for reaching out. It's been an honor. I'm grateful for everything y'all have done and just the community in general. This love is just surreal and I never thought I'd be here. So thank you. It means the world to me. Wow. Thank you, Michael. And thank you, Andrew. That was a fantastic interview. What'd you think about it, Jenna? That is amazing. I'm just amazed at that. I I don't even have the willpower to do that, let alone. Yeah, I would say the highlight of his interview was his incredible story of his weight loss and how he did it. And it, it was the motivation of the character Owen from Jurassic World. I will say from personal experience, I had, I I struggled with weight loss and I could not figure out how to do it. And it took a lot of help, but it really was the fact that I liked when I started riding roller coasters, that there were a couple coasters I couldn't fit on that really made me mad that I was determined 
determined to lose the weight so I could get on those coasters. And it took me a year, but yeah. You did. You lost, you dropped a lot of weight 125 in that year. 125 pounds in a year, which was really I mean, amazing. you look fantastic yourself. Thank so. you. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people out there, especially those that are listening right now. I mean, yes, weight loss is a struggle. It's really tough. You've got to have the mental mindset and you got to have it in your heart to want to do it. You just got to find something to focus on why you want to lose the weight. Right. And then just come up with a plan of what you got to do every month. So, yes, if, if Michael can do it, if I can do it, I am confident everybody who's listening out there, if you're struggling with weight loss, yes, you can do it too. You just got to find, find that. Just got to find that inspiration and that motivation exactly. behind it. Exactly. So, yes, but yes, fantastic interview. This was a really awesome special episode. And we've got a brand new episode coming out this Friday. And so make sure to make sure to check it out. And if you guys want to want to have any questions or any comments, you can always send us uh, feedback at info at coasterchallengepodcast.org. You can also make sure to subscribe to our podcast networks, uh, your favorite podcast networks. And also make sure to follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at coaster challenge podcast we're on twitter just type in coaster challenge podcast we're also on facebook i mean if you if you're on any kind of social media you're going to find the coaster challenge podcast on there so but uh any more further uh info you can also you can also reach us at www.coasterchallengeusa.com until then this is david Cantu and jenna and we'll see you next week right here on coaster challenge have fun